use this mishaps in the podcast that think it adds colour, which on. is exactly what my tea gel medicated shampoo did to my entire clothes, all of the clothes in my bag. Uh, it exploded on the way. Uh. It exploded on the way. Uh, it covered my shirts. Last night I had to wear a, a white, sorry, a yellow, not smart T-shirt to the um, VIP dinner. So I was the scruffiest looking get there because the yellow t-shirt was in my i put a couple of things in my rucksack mm. so i've managed to mainly disguise it with my suit jacket but when i didn't have my suit jacket last night i couldn't disguise it so it's on it covered all of my shirts it covered my toothbrush which i bought on friday which is a brand new electric oral b expensive toothbrush <laughs> covered in it uh yeah so that was a bit of a disaster uh, and then yesterday or the day before, when I first got here on Monday, we arrived at midday on Monday, I thought this hotel is nice, but it's not like the Kerry, it's not as good. Mm. Um, but I went to, um, in fact, I'm going to go for a swim because the swim pool looks nice on the pictures. So I went for a swim, got to the swim pool, and <clears throat> this life, there was nobody in there apart from three lifeguards. The lifeguards started waving at me as I was getting into the water. Um and i was like didn't read on some of what and he was going like this and then i realized he meant i needed a swimming cap to swim so i did the international sign for i haven't got one mate and he handed me one um and it was a kid's one with dinosaurs on and i had to put it on and wear it when i swim for swim did you get to didn't see really it? Fit over my head no i oh. handed it back but it's a tiny it was a tiny little swimming cap it was like crushing my skull so not only was it a child swim cap, it was used. <laughs> yeah, it was somebody's, somebody had left a swim cap that he gave me. So we are here talking to Daniel O'Connor, who is in Shanghai at the moment for TCT Asia 2023. And you listen to the Additive Insight podcast, which is brought to you by the TCT editorial team. And Dan, we feel like we've missed a lot this week because all the pictures we've seen look absolutely amazing. It looks super, super busy. We've heard of loads of launches, even some that we haven't even had news releases for this week. You've just spotted random machines here than ever on the show floor. So I think to start, just paint us a picture of what it's like at TCT Asia this year, because it's the first time you've been back in four years. So it must feel pretty nice to be back there. Yeah, and it's very much, so obviously I haven't been since the pandemic. And it very much feels like the first show I've been to after the pandemic that feels like a show from before the pandemic. Mm. It is absolutely packed. You can hardly move in the aisles. Uh, I think there's been something like 17,000 pre-registered. Wow. Felt like the 17,000 people were in the room yesterday. I don't think it was quite that much. Um, but it's huge. There's like 285 exhibitors. Wow. Um, and it's it's really well designed this year. So they split it up into material section, machinery and um, software and post-processing. So you can find your way around really well. It's really nicely laid out. Uh, it's in the new venue, which is the NECC. I think I might be wrong about that, but um, <clears throat> it just feels very much like a show from six, seven years ago in which there's loads of new technology to see. It's not the same old, same old, and it's packed full of people and you can hardly get on any stands. <laughs> so, <clears throat> There is bit there has been lots. Yesterday I was um chairing a I was moderating a panel of C suite executives yesterday and all of the conferences have been totally standing room only for, throughout the whole event. So 
we've got one more day to go tomorrow. Uh, if it's anything like the last two, it will be tiring, put it that way. And I know you said it's it's mega busy and just looking at the photos, it it feels like all the exhibitors have really pulled out all the stops as well to make really impressive stands. Like I was looking at the Polymaker one and they've got this this massive filament spool just hanging from the ceiling and it it you're right it does feel like a trade show from four years ago it's 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 really nice to see like we're, we're obviously seeing massive machines that a lot of these uh, china-based companies that are leading the way with but um i think just in terms of the scale of the stand as well it, it it looks really impressive i don't know how you've managed to to make your way around there imagine you've probably not even seen half of it yet no and i mean talking about impressive stands the bright laser technology the blt stand mm-hmm. is like a trade show in of itself it is absolutely massive i did a little walk around video of it yesterday but then i realized it said no cameras on, it, on all the pictures oh, so no. I, felt like, I felt like i couldn't share it um but they've got like this like huge three cinema screens on the outside right hand outside which demonstrate their technologies and behind that is a really amazing glass cabinet full of great applications then you've just got more applications inside and it leads you to a big gantry with their their biggest machine on uh, and on the outside they've got the applications like the olympic torch that they did um and it's just like unbelievably spectacular it's right on the front row right in the main entrance in the main aisle it's full of these like huge stands like blt raise 3d which i think i'll bring, talk about a little bit more later on because obviously former tct asia staff member endwick pay is the marketing director over there so he's dragged me onto the stand about five times willing um, <laughs> yeah he took me on a boat tour last night as well which was quite strange and fun uh, a little gondola around this uh, place nearby called pan long oh, um, nice. but <clears throat> it's what's amazing is like the quality of the stuff that is on the stand you know, I remember you and me, Sam, at TCT Asia, and I don't know what year it was, but we walked around and saw those like 65 metal AM machines. Well, I think there's double that here now. Uh, and it's just and the focus is much more about stability and quality than I ever, I ever have seen before. Uh, the messaging from everybody is about reliability. So um, Professor, and excuse me for the pronunciation, Yang Yang Nyon, was uh, on stage, he's from YNAMT, and they've got metals machines. He was on stage yesterday talking about how their entire focus and for all of their customers is on stability. Mm-hmm. And I think there's probably a little bit of like, I don't know, maybe you might think 10, 15 years ago that quality from China isn't the same as the quality from Europe, but they're not gonna be able to sell these metal machines at the rate that they are doing and the amount of powder that they're selling without there being some level of quality. And their focus has really been about uh, the melt pool. They've launched something called, here called Dy- Dynamic Allocation Scanning. Dynamic Allocation Scan Tasks, which is really complex um, for me to get my head around. I sat there yesterday in this press conference, listening to it being simultaneously translated and trying to understand what it does. But essentially it is... It just it's a melt melt pool monitoring system, but it allows you to allocate one of the lasers if one of the lasers is failing to a different task. So essentially, if one laser is pointing in one direction, it's not performing the way it should be. It will assess that at the melt pool and then straight away focus a different laser onto it. And obviously, 
You know, we saw Farsoon launch a machine with 16 lasers on. There is a bit more focus on the amount of lasers in powder bed fusion. Yeah. I think that's such a worthwhile development because like, I do want to talk about a company that you mentioned at the start, then BLT. I mean, talk about multiple lasers and it's obviously that's one of the big trends we've seen in the industry over the last few years more lasers bigger builds beds that sort of thing and um i think it it's fine to keep um adding more lasers to a machine but it is about having that stability as well and making sure that it all runs how it needs to run and the reason i wanted to point out blt is because um we spoke to them just a, a couple of weeks back now about what they were bringing to the show and the main thing they focused on was this um this uh, powder recovery system talking very much about um am for production and just really making it a, a solid production process well they didn't mention the fact that they were going to be bringing a new machine um to the event which has got 20 lasers on it and they just kind of brought this out of nowhere and that's something that i really appreciate about tct asia because i think it's feels like one of the remaining places where we still get those like shock launches where we we would be completely surprised by something on the show floor. Um, and even though, like I said, we have seen this growing trend for more lasers, more, more, more you know, bigger build sizes. I think um, I didn't really expect to see something of that size this year. Have you managed to have a look at that on the show floor or see any other kind of similar things in that area? Well, you can't really get near uh that particular machine in the blt <laughs> stand so you, have to, you have to climb a gantry uh the blt stand has been packed the whole times but talking about surprise launches um I, I to be honest i didn't know who they were but i was we walk in the show with duncan wood our ceo yesterday and he said haitian i've got mm. a machine is, did we know about this and i said i don't to be honest i'm not as close to the industry as sam law and ollie are these days so i don't know i don't know about them but it turns out that haitian are one of our clients, one of our biggest clients from our sister event, Interplast, uh, one of the biggest injection molding companies in machine manufacturers in China. Um, and they just appeared out of nowhere with a huge stand with four metals machines on them, complete with all their own uh, powdering stations, etc. And then Haitian are known in the injection molding world for being really reliable and really high quality. Mm -hmm. So these are people who, who are experts in building machinery. Uh, have just come out of nowhere. They're a huge company uh, and just launched four machines at uh, TCT Asia. I think that they had previously shown the machines at an optical show, but this is the first time that they've been seen in a uh, a um, in a 3D printing or additive manufacturing specific show. I mean, there's relatively little information about it online. Uh, you can, I, everything's on WeChat over here. So you mm -hmm. kind of like, uh, I scanned the QR code on the side and read some of the rough translation, but even they don't seem to be making the huge song and dance about it. And it's a huge deal in our industry for a company just to come out of nowhere and launch four machines. I mean, I remember the days when people were launching, when our launch of a single metal machine would have been the biggest news that we've covered oh, yeah. for a month. <laughs> and this is just oh, uh, casually as four machines out of nowhere. So any information in terms of the process on those machines? Are they powder bed fusion as well, Dan? Yeah, they're all powder bed fusion. Um, the majority of the things that I've seen are laser powder bed fusion. Mm -hmm. I thought there was a quite an interesting uh, tidbit from Professor Yong Yang yesterday, who's an expert in laser powder bed fusion. Interestingly, he said um, that the world is caught from ASTM's perspective, calls it laser powder bed fusion, but they don't like it. They just call it SLM. I thought, well, that's interesting because in China, they just decided to call everything SLM. So there's yeah. a lot of SLM. They all call it SLM over here. But the majority of the case studies that I, or machineries that I've seen have either been FDM, 
there's a lot of FDM here, uh, or they've been for the metals, it's been laser powder bed fusion. However, uh, I did go and see a company today called Easy MFG. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of them. I hadn't heard no. of them, and I was pointed in their direction by uh, Kitty Wang and Bart um, van, van der Scheren of Materialize to go and check out their stand. It's really interesting. So they've got metal binder jet machinery, essentially, uh, and they are, their company are experts in sintering. So they've come at it from the kind of perspective of their experts in sintering, and obviously, uh, sintering is huge here in China for the MIM process. Uh, so, and then they kind of reverse engineered backwards and built a machine that was suitable for the sintering process. And on their stand, um, which I'm not entirely sure, uh, we're not entirely sure who's using it. And I'll bow to your greater knowledge, Sam and Laura, but they had all of the Apple watch casings. Mm-hmm. It's obviously been the big news. Yeah, so yeah. I was getting to have a little look at those. Uh, they said that Apple would come to see them three times. Uh, and obviously that I think it is behind the jet technology that, that Apple are choosing to use for that process. I think people are speculating it's HP, but I I think people are just adding one and two together. Um, mm-hmm. like, well, There's nothing out there to suggest it's HP, I don't think. Well, I've heard, and I don't know whether this is true, but I did hear someone say yesterday that HP is sending a lot of the sintering, um, post-sintering stuff to Shenzhen. Because that is the world leading uh, MIM sintering mm. uh, place, basically. So all of the knowledge and all the know-how on sintering MIM parts has been there. So maybe that's true. I don't know. Yeah, I maybe. think it's. I think it's probably. Um, it sounds to me from different things that I've heard that it's very much coming from the supply chain. Uh, but then today I actually got an email uh, from Apple about the latest launch of all the new stuff, and one of the things I spotted on there was that Apple. Are, this is the first watch or the, the watches that were released today or yesterday, whenever that was, uh, are the first ones that are carbon neutral, the first product. Mm-hmm. And I wonder whether there's been a push from Apple on their supply chain with, you need to come up with carbon neutral ways to make these parts. Uh, and that, that's, this is kind of the result of that. Mm-hmm. It's very much, by the way, that um, we've been saying for a very long time that we're looking for a, a new leap fuel nozzle. In, it's been in nearly every presentation I've seen, and, and, and granted, there is quite a lot of speculation about it. But a lot of people are talking about it, so I think like, this is the new killer application for a while now. Um, but I suppose it is really interesting that one of the biggest companies on the planet are deciding to use AM technologies, and I think it's got people in China, specifically the metal three D printing side, really interested. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the the, the talks you've been to? Because I know you mentioned you've obviously chaired the the, the C suite session um, yesterday. Yep. Um, what other what kind of stuff has really stood out for you? And I know obviously we we worked with our team in in Shanghai to kind of bring a mix of speakers from all around the world um, to the event. But um, what what kind of stuff have you really got from that? I, and I guess also what what came out of the C suite conversation because I think that was a really impressive panel of people to bring together. Yeah, the C-suite was, it was a really amazing thing to get to do. To be honest, a really good opportunity. Um, we Did you record it? started it? off with, uh, I believe it is recorded. I didn't record it, but I think it has been recorded. I did ask Eileen that question. But um, it started off with Dr. Zhu Xiaoxiu from Farsoon, who was obviously talking about their launches. But again, he was really focused. His um, His session was really focused on reliability. 
not application development as much about reliability of technologies uh, and he it during the um the panel session which it ended with he said something that really resonated with me that we that with this technology we've got to have patience uh metal metal 3d printing technology in particular isn't as old as you think it is mm-hmm. we've only really started doing end use applications for 10 years um but it's getting there is what he was describing and having patience is obviously uh really important in this industry and i, th- I think we all we're always waiting for that next thing and i've just said it we're always waiting <laughs> for that next thing but he was very keen to uh think that patience is a virtue obviously and the next speaker was Dr. Professor Yong Yan Yan. Uh, his, he is from YNAMT. He is, was focused on the development and the reliability in laser powder bed fusion. His talk was really technical, actually, quite interesting. Um, and it, it was talking about that um, thing I mentioned earlier, which was called dynamic allocation tasks. Dynamic allocation scan tasks. I'll get it right eventually. Um, <clears throat> Next up was Bart van der Scheren, who's the CTO of Materialize. Materializer's talks are always, especially when they're from their C-levels, are always really worth just going to. Mm-hmm. He mentioned something called, which I had no clue about, and I did some reading about it last night and it's blown my mind, called VUCA World. Right, and I have got somewhere, oh, I can't remember where it is now. I've got a screen grab of what exactly that is, but it's about the fact that, you know, we've got, we've had a pandemic uh, in uh, in what you call it, inflation is huge. There's lots of panic in the world, uh, and you, on one hand, people can be threatened by it, but on the other hand, some people see it as an opportunity. And his talk was about how additive manufacturing is an opportunity in this kind of uncertain times. Uh, and I really, it was really fascinating. They focused quite a lot on a survey that they they'd done recently, and one of the things that I thought was most interesting about that survey was that. Um, 46% of the companies that they spoke to, and this is companies in manufacturing in general, not additive manufacturing, um, said they're going to double their usage of additive manufacturing in the next 12 months. Uh, 71% said they'd increase their in-house capacity in the next five years. Uh, it did say that four out of five of the companies weren't ready for production and cited issues of quality and reliability. Um, but he, he sensed that there's this real, like, we're at a turning point in which people are starting to say, okay, we have to adopt this now. And I think that's kind of demonstrated with that, that Apple thing. Um, then the, the final CEO to give a speech was Martin Back from BASF Forward, AM Forward. Um, there was a really interesting application case study that they covered, uh, which you may have already covered and I'm not sure, um, about this like cycle mount for a company called Canyon, who make bikes, race mm-hmm. bikes. Uh, and it's just this small bracket uh, that attach, you attach your computer to uh, on a bike. But what was interesting about that is that they turn that around in, from six, in six weeks of idea to design to printing the part and putting it on the bike, which it did eventually win one of the toughest races uh, in the world. But also then, then they didn't just go on their bike. They printed 3,500 of them and have sold them all online. And it's it's just one of those examples of something that was quick, a quick, easy fix, but they realized, well, this couldn't isn't just for our bike. It's for mm-hmm. anybody, really, that needs this kind of uh, mount. It's, it's not the most beautiful-looking thing on the planet or the most exciting-looking thing, but it's a good example of how 
AM's well used. And what was interesting about that is that they showed you showed a video of the race with the Paris Roubaix, which has got fifty five kilometers of cobblestones. So you have to the bikes have to be really durable as well as the riders. Uh, and during my summer holiday, I accidentally drove on that road and nearly ruined my car. So God knows where it is from bike. Um, but yeah, but yeah, the, the panel session at the end was really good. It, we kind of like, um, it was kind of, it was a challenge, put it that way for me, mm. uh, because it was simultaneously translated because uh, between English and Chinese. So we were kind of having to like go down. So we'd set up some prepared questions, uh, but there was some really good advice extolled about what they would do differently if they were a startup now. And it was about having patience. And it was about making sure you had a business case uh, on the, the the VUCA stuff you mentioned, Sam, didn't you go to a conference not too long ago that really honed in on um, additive manufacturing in, in that context? Yeah, and Martin from BASF was on that panel session. Um, and so VUCA stands for Volatility, Uncertainty, Complexity and Ambiguity. Um, but interestingly, that so that was at AM4 in Berlin and that, that panel session that Martin was on there was kind of, Germany focused and they were talking about AM in in the the German marketplace but they were comparing it to places like China and um, Martin actually said something really interesting that was about the the speed of development and innovation in China and most people think it it comes from just their you know their volume of people that they're able to companies are able to throw at uh, development projects but he said from his experience, it's because they use the most modern technologies, um, but they also have a mindset of proof to me it can't be done with additive as opposed to mm-hmm. proof to me it can be. And so because of that, they're, they're kind of, you know, maybe similar with that with that Apple case study. They're deciding to begin with additive. And if it can't be done that way, then they'll they'll fall back on the traditional way. But they're, they're preferring to start with additive if it can work in terms of the design and, and the economics, then then that's how they'll they'll go. And, and Martin was saying then that in China, they can ramp up products within a week. And in Germany, for example, um, he said, we go the slow way. Um, and he was concerned whether, and you can probably use that on Western markets generally, whether there's the time for that, because, you know, if they're, if they're talking from a, a Germany perspective, a country like China with that, with that mindset, is is potentially just going to run away from them. I th- that you mentioned there that the proved to me that it doesn't work with additive. Mm. And that's interesting because we had a conversation about trade shows in general earlier today with Duncan and the team over here at VNU. And uh, there was a comment made about how, you know, we've become experts in being resilient because we've had to move trade shows around and cancel them at the last second because of the pandemic. And somebody mentioned there that it was a very similar thing of saying, if you'd have asked people before the pandemic, could you cancel a trade show or could you move the dates? Literally everybody would have said, no chance, you can't do it, it's impossible. But because you had to do it, mm-hmm. we did do it now that now that we wouldn't want to ever have to do it again, but we know we have the experience to do it. And I think it's not dissimilar mindset to that mm-hmm. of for additive manufacturing. It's a, it can be done. Let's just do it and see what happens. I think you need people and, and organizations that are willing to willing for it to not to work and willing to put the money forward to you know yeah. try it um you know in in america there's a company called merit 3d and they have a, have a case study that 
um, is in the process of, of reaching a million units. Um, but, and that's through um, Henkler use of technologies are, are the user there. And initially when they, when they kind of first started, the Henkel were, were saying this can't be done and Merit 3D had to say, if you give us a chance, we'll figure it out. And then in the end, they're, I think they're halfway through that that print order. But you need there needs to be that that willingness to work through it. Yeah. I think most people and most companies would rather somebody else figure it out first. Um, which I don't know. Maybe that's going on in China, and we're just seeing the other end of it and seeing companies who are taking the lead. But um, yeah, I think you know the, where where the technology is, it's still developing and still maturing. It does need people to give it a chance i did see some really like uh as always in china you do see some kind of weird and wonderful applications uh i saw for instance the first time in my life i've ever seen a chocolate machine and thought oh that's kind of a good use for it <laughs> so they and i won't go too much into that but basically they they built a vendor machine uh, and you have to scan um the wechat uh, you pay through WeChat, you select your model through WeChat, and then it spits it out and it prints a little Pikachu character or something like that. For oh, I can kind of see that working in uh, the arcades in New Brighton, mm. in my seaside town. It's daft, it's fine, it's, it's it's suitable for it. And it was the things looked quite nice. But then um, on the Rays 3D stand, I saw something that I'd never seen before that I thought was really clever. Um, I forget the company's name now, the research... Uh, lab in here in shanghai actually and they um were taking using a a material that might have been tpu but i think it was pla uh printing these like really small parts um which if you then put them into water it softens the the pla or the mm. plastic material and then you blow into it like uh you would blow into uh like when you're making glass and they'd create these, they'd expand these amazing shapes. So you kind of like create like a little tiny thing and you only print a little tiny bit of material. But then when you put it in water to soften it and then blow on it under the water, it expanded into like, and they had like lampshades, which is always the case for additive, for 3D printing technology, for 3D printing things. But well, that's quite a nice use case of if you did want to print a huge thing and you only had a small area, this is mm. what they were doing. And I remember... I forget what the name was, but when I first started, there was a company um, doing a similar thing with like jewelry or with like uh, dress designs and it would be like chain link. And as soon as you opened it, it would be massive. But uh, it was a really interesting application. And I mentioned Ray's because obviously, as I said earlier, that I got uh, pulled onto the stand by Enderwick, who does a very good job at their marketing because he didn't stop talking to me about it. (laughs) Um, But there were some really, really cool things on that stand and one of them was um, a application for Tesla. Um, and so Tesla in China is one of the most popular car brands, uh, as it is a lot of places in the world, but they've really adopted it here. There are 170 service centers uh, for Tesla in China. And the they're testing out an application at one of the service centers, which has worked, which is essentially just printing spare parts, but really like, not mission critical spare parts. We're talking um, one of them. One of these things is like this little TPU cylinder. It looks like it takes about ten minutes to print. It doesn't look special, but nobody can see it on the car. It's mm. just to go under one of the seats for one of the handles, and it just means you know it's that it kind of fulfills that promise of 
not having to wait for the part to come from somewhere else. It can be printed on site at the local service centre. And so they're, they're in the process of certifying a few of these parts. And when I say they are really rudimentary, basic parts that you'd never see. But that kind of like applications really just is is great for like FDM printing of that scale. It's affordable, obviously. Um, <clears throat> but there was lots of like Rays have got Rays think that they've got something like thirty percent of the FDM markets in industrial space in China, uh, and Rays are really like they've got they had all sorts of machines, lots of things doing lots of different things. Um, they've got big machine, big FDM machines, little FDM machines, print farms. They've even got a DLP machine on their stand now. They also had, interestingly, the, um, and I don't know the name of the machine, so you'll have to find out yourselves, but it's the, it uses that BASF metal material that Ultimaker have been mm-hmm. using. So it's like kind of like metal FDM printing, but they've also built a sintering station and a debinding station. And the parts looked impressive from what I saw. Um, and, you know, the, their focus is really on, um, affordability of the technologies Mm -hmm. so i think they're they're really an interesting company to watch in the coming years and i'm not just saying that for endowick (laughs) talking about um applications i feel like from the conversation we'd had with exhibitors um uh, prior to this week a lot of the focus felt like it was on aerospace particularly with those big metal machines that can now um print very large parts rocket engines and stuff like that are you seeing a lot of examples of that on the show floor? There are lots of examples of what you expect to see from metals machines of okay. um, parts that are f- fitting for aerospace. But one of the more interesting areas around that was uh, there is a company here called Enigma, um, and they have got huge DED uh, machines that are printed in big, giant-looking missile-type parts that are mm-hmm. really interesting technology. Uh, it's obviously you know near net shape kind of stuff but what they were shown was they've got a really nice lineup of the applications of near net shape then it's finished and then it's polished and all the steps in the way so there's a lot of like um, there's a lot more focus here than I've felt before on quality and reliability but as well about post-processing so there's a whole Mm -hmm. post-processing section and you have got the likes of Rosler there as well Uh, but it's just about you know, I think China, well, I think the last Wallace report said it was like 18% of the markets. Uh, one of the speakers yesterday suggested that, that they think that that is low on estimates terms in terms of parts being made. They think China's more around about 25 to 30% of the market at this moment in time because there's just so much going on that I don't think anybody knows about. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that we, I think that's, I think that's a fraction of what's going on in this country, to be honest. You know, I, we've often, you know, we've been to Shenzhen and we've been, uh, and we have plans to go elsewhere in China uh, because Shanghai is this fantastic show, but the majority of the people that come, and there are lots of them, are from the Shanghai region. So I just kind of think there's probably lots of applications, like Sam mentioned before, of just, we're just going to do it this way first and see what happens. Well, Dan, we'll we'll let you go because I feel like you've probably got um, more exciting places to go to tonight, maybe more boat trips or what have you got planned for this evening? This evening, there is no official plans. So that's quite uh, frightening for you. Seeing as I'm down to the odd T-shirts, we are unfortunately miles out of town. And I think 
there are thunderstorm warnings. No. Um, so maybe I'll go and get a dinosaur-based swim cap again <laughs> and uh, have a little swim and relax. I think uh, gone are the days of me going out until all hours. I'm going to use this opportunity to go to bed. <laughs> well, enjoy the last day and I hope it's a success for, for all our exhibitors. Um, thank you for listening to Additive Insight. If you want more Additive Insight, head on over to t2magazine.com to get your free print subscription to T2Mag and get the biggest 3D printed news stories of the week delivered straight to your inbox every Sunday. Thanks a lot. See you again next time. Bye.